Hello everyone and welcome on Women Abroad, the podcast that invites young professional women to share their experience abroad and reveal the wonderful women behind these stories. My name is Françoise Fallis. I'm an intercultural trainer and coach. I've lived and worked as an expatriate for more than 11 years in Egypt, Morocco and Nigeria twice and I currently live in Luxembourg. I meet young women who are studying or starting their careers abroad and hear from them about their discoveries, culture shock and the personal and professional challenges they face. What surprises, amuses, even fascinates them? How does their experience open up new perspectives and reveal new things about themselves? If you are curious about living and working internationally, this podcast will inspire you to consider new horizons. Women Abroad, be inspired by women who find their true selves living abroad. Our fifth episode brings us today to meet Chloe Peebles in Bogota, Colombia. Chloe is a French-American early woman in international development who decided to temporarily put her career on pause to accompany her husband on a short-term mission in Colombia. Very enthusiastically, Chloe tells us how her exposure to living abroad since she was a child has contributed to develop her cultural agility. Let's discover how she experiences Bogota so far, the opportunities that this career break can bring her, and also her former missions as project manager in sub-Saharan Africa and in Latin America. Hello, Chloe. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you today, and thank you for accepting my invitation on Women Abroad for this interview. So, Chloe, tell me, I would like first you to introduce yourself and tell me why you came to Bogota. It's not that common to go to Bogota, is it? So, um, my name is uh, Chloe. Um, I moved to Bogota in February um, of this year, February of 2020. So, about one month before the global pandemic um, hit the world and we had to quarantine. We, I moved here with uh, my husband um, because he had the opportunity to um, have a job. Uh, he got a professional opportunity here in Colombia. We were both living in Washington, D.C. earlier, and um, it just seemed like a really great time to take advantage of this adventure and move to Colombia. So I moved here with my husband. Okay. Not an easy time to adjust yourself to a new culture, was it? Uh, how do you experience Bogota so far? So, I mean, it's been a mix of um, really, really wonderful and also somewhat boring. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, after being here for uh, a month and a half, when we really had a great month, um, you know, our first... Our first moments on site, trying to you know figure out the visa, figure out our apartments, figure everything, all the logistics of moving. Um, three days after we actually got our permanent apartment, the whole the whole country went into quarantine. Um, so from that, it was a very strict quarantine. We weren't allowed to go out even for exercise. 
And it lasted pretty much, you know, more or less strict through September. So it was the time from March through September, we pretty much only saw our apartment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so probably this was your biggest challenge when yeah, you arrived. I mean, it was, yeah, it was challenging because, you know, there was a, a moment of uncertainty. You know, um, a lot of other expats that we had met during that month were going back home and left. Uh, a lot of the first friends I met actually left um, to go back home. And we asked ourselves very many times, you know, should we leave? What if this lasts, you know, forever? Or should we just stick it out? We have, a, a, we're very comfortable in our apartment. We have internet and my husband could work perfectly. So we ended up deciding to just wait it out. <laughs> But it was hard because a lot of our friends in Europe um, and in the United States didn't spend a summer where they had to stay inside. You know, in June, people were starting to be able to travel and everything. And so that became a little bit harder to see other people going out and us having to stay inside. So you mean you did not have the opportunity to visit Colombia so far? We did one trip in February. We went to Cartagena. Um, but, then, but then we couldn't go anywhere. We weren't allowed to leave Bogota until September. And in September, finally, they loosened a little bit the restrictions and we were able to go to what they call a finca with some Colombian friends. And since we've been able to travel, we've now traveled. <laughs> and so you haven't had much opportunities to, to socialize so far. I mean, to me, to make new friends here in Colombia and, and meet the expat community. Yes, I'm doing that now, actually. Um, in September, once they started loosening things and restaurants started opening up again um, and cafes, um, I wrote on the Facebook group, there's a women's expat Facebook group that I wrote in and asked if anyone wanted to go for a drink um, and meet up. And a lot of people wanted to meet up <laughs> because I think people were very, <laughs> very, very tired. <laughs> of not seeing anyone. So we've started making a lot of, we've started making friends. People are anxious, I think, to get out and meet people. I may imagine, I may imagine. And how did you spend your, your life in the apartment? What did you do? Because it's quite a long time from February, well, let's say March till September. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you know your apartment by heart by the, by the time. Yeah, So um, so several things. Uh, when we moved from the United States, I was able to negotiate to keep my job on a remote basis. So, you know, the beginning through mid-May, I was working. Um, and then um, in, and then afterwards, I stopped working. But we also um, adopted a cat. <laughs> so that also helped keep us busy. <laughs> and um, when I wasn't working... It was a combination of Zoom calls with families and yoga and trying to do some introspective projects to see what do I want to do with my time while I'm here in Colombia. A lot of self-reflection too, I may imagine. Yes, yes. It, it was, it was, you know, it was good and bad. Um, it was a little sad because I had actually planned on visiting my family in June, which obviously couldn't happen. Um, but I think the time to do self-reflection, I enjoyed. This expatriation is for you very different from the ones you experienced before, um, because you, you traveled quite, quite a lot before. 
What, what makes this expatriation different? Do you perceive this expatriation with a new eye? So it's different because it's the first time I'm doing a, an expat expatriation uh, move abroad together with my husband. We met uh, while we were while I lived in Benin with my family, and then we moved to the United States. So this is the first time we're going new somewhere new together. Um, and it's the first time, you know, I used to have a job and now I, I don't really have a job. So I'm also trying to figure that out. Um, but Colombia, or at least Bogota here, the way I'm experiencing it, um, it's very easy to make friends with Colombians. They're all very welcoming. So it's also a very easy expatriation. There's everything we could want. There are great restaurants, there are malls, there are stores. Um, it's, it's a very easy, easy transition if you take away the pandemic. <laughs> Still, it's a big, a big constraint. <laughs> But do you speak Spanish? Yes, I, I speak Spanish. Um, I was really excited to come to Colombia because um, I previously learned how to speak Spanish and it's I'm a native French and English speaker, and Spanish is like my second language that I learned, and it's just a lot of fun to be able to, to practice use that language, yes. Um, so, so, yes, I speak Spanish. <laughs> Probably with a different accent than, than, yeah. the, <laughs> than the one maybe you learned. Yeah, I learned, um, I learned to speak Spanish. Um, when I, when I graduated, um, from high school, I was an au pair in Barcelona. And so that's where I first learned to speak Spanish. But, um, I went back to Spain also. And then, um, when I was working in the United States, I worked on a project in Guatemala. Um, so, uh, I also got opportunities to practice different kinds of Spanish. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a, a mix of an accent. And uh, is, is it useful here to speak the language? Or do you think that if you only spoke English, that would be okay too, to adjust to the country? Um, I think if you only spoke English, you would missing part of the country. Um, it's, you know, we have a lot of the Colombian friends we've made. A lot of them uh, speak English and speak very good English. But when we've gone over to their house and they've invited friends over, it's very clear that their preferred language is Spanish. And so, you know, slowly as the night progresses, we go into more, we, we do some um, Spanglish, you know, a mix of mm. Spanish, a mix of English to make sure that the conversation can keep flowing. If there's something I don't know how to say, I just say it in English and vice versa. Um, but yes, I think if you didn't speak, if you didn't speak um, Spanish, I think it would be hard to m make connection with, you have more opportunities to make connections with more Colombians. Um, but there are many who speak English and are very excited to be able to practice and use their English in a social setting. So, but you'd lose some. How did you get prepared before moving to Bogota? Did you have many months when you, when you made the decision to go to Bogota? Yeah, I think, um, It was about maybe a little less than a year um, that we decided to um, start pursuing uh, going to Colombia. Um, one of the main things we did was we lived in Washington, D.C. 
in the United States and we, you know, we lived there for four years. So you, you accumulate so much stuff in four years. And the main thing we did was, um, you know, send a lot of our belongings to our parents' house. Um, so anytime one of our parents would visit, we'd send them off with a suitcase or two full of, you know, full of our belongings and their <laughs> gracious enough to be holding that at their homes. Um, Hopefully they've got a big house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we, uh, my husband talked to the company here to see if, you know, they would be willing to um, help sponsor him. Um, we tried to kind of look for apartments, but it's very hard to tell, you know, what neighborhood you want to live in, um, what's actually available when you're far away. So, well, the visa and getting an apartment, um, that is more difficult to do, or we found it was harder to decide what neighborhood we would want to live in, um, from Washington DC. So it was much easier to come here and actually visit and see the different neighborhoods and see the apartments. Uh, before coming. So when we got here, we actually had an Airbnb for about a month. Okay. But now you're fully settled and you feel good in your apartment. It's very important when yes. you're abroad. Yes, we have, a, we have an apartment we really like. We really like the neighborhood. Um, we are settled. We have everything we need. Um, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what would you like to do in Bogota? What can you make the best of your time in Bogota? Do you, any idea, any plan? Um, well, what we want to do, what we want to be sure to do is to explore around Bogota. We, um, we've recently decided that to make the most of our time here, uh, we should buy a car to be able to um, go outside of the city. Uh, we don't, I mean, we used to have a car, but, you know, living in a big city, the car is a little bit more optional. Um, but we've decided now that we want a car. We want to be able to take weekend and day trips um, just outside to be able to continue exploring the area as much as possible. Um, you can drive, drive by yourself. I mean, you and your husband as expatriates, you can drive. You don't need any yeah. driver. No, no, no. We don't need a driver here now. Um, I, I, I don't think I've seen anyone even with a driver. Okay. Yeah. Is, is the city safe? Uh, I would say, you know, it, it's, it's relatively safe. We've heard a lot of stories of people telling us, very, very honestly, scaring us, you know, be careful, don't do this, don't do that. Um, we don't walk around at night particularly there. So there are a lot of things we don't do. We don't walk around at night. Um, if, you know, even if we're not very far and it's close to our apartment, we'll take a car. Um, so they have Uber and, and services like that here that we use, uh, that are considered safe. Um, we've never had an, an experience in which we've felt unsafe, but I think, That is something that could happen in Bogota and you have to be a little bit aware. Mm. Uh, you've just, you said to me a few days ago that you relaunched your consultancy activity, yeah. the activity you had in Washington before, before moving yes. to Bogota. Can, yeah. would you like to share a little about this? Sure. Um, so when I was working in Washington, DC, I was, um, 
uh, I'm a project manager in international development. So I worked on different on projects um, mainly funded by USAID. And a lot of the projects I was working on were in French-speaking Africa. Since I speak French, they like to, I'm able to use that language to uh, help move the project along. Um, and so um, when we decided to move to Colombia, um, it became apparent that it was going to be very difficult to continue in my position with uh, my company. So we... Um, so starting May 15th, I wasn't able to continue and I took a break and I started looking, started to think about what else I wanted to do. Um, and kind of the two things that came to mind of things that I would like to do is I really, I, I think I would like to have a remote position because I would like to be able to go visit my family um, or my husband's family and not necessarily have to take vacation. I'd like more independence. Uh, on the other hand, I would also like to take advantage of being here in Colombia um, because my work often focused on Francophone countries. I'd like to be able to maybe increase my experience in a Latin American country and using Spanish professionally to kind of maybe widen my horizons. So, so that's kind of what I'm looking to do professionally. Um, right now, I'm very lucky because my old project um, reached out to me and they're looking for, they needed someone to be an interim communications and knowledge manager, which is different from my previous position, um, until they find the permanent person. So I have a one-month consultancy with them and potentially potentially more if they if they need me more. That could be an opportunity for you just to test a, another position and to test working at a distance so it works and so. Exactly, yeah. I think it's very interesting to do. I'm a project manager, um, so it's interesting to do communications. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a switch, but I'm enjoying trying something different. And would you like to work as a, as a freelance in the future? Um, if I could, you know, if, Working as a consultant um, for different companies is feasible. I would, you know, I, I would love to. I think it kind of depends on the opportunities that come yes. my way. Yes, that's great. That's great. And as as you wrote to me, you are a third culture kid, half French, half American. You have also much traveled from childhood through adulthood. Is there a particular country where you mostly feel home? You know, I, I thought about this and I don't think there is um, a specific country where I feel most at home. Uh, growing up, I was in a, an expat family, so we moved around about every three years or so. Um, so in that situation, my home was really where my family was. You know, I had my, my, my two parents and then my sister, so whether we were, you know, whatever country we were in, um, home was basically with them. And I think that's true today, too. I feel at home wherever my husband is, you know, as long as we're together, we can make the place our home. Um, so it's more about like wanting to travel and see different places um, and explore different parts of the world, but together. Actually, your, your family is your roots. Your family, your husband is your roots. 
not only dependent on a particular place. I mean, yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. And it's different from other people. Some people have a place that they call home and yeah, it's just different. Definitely. You feel good at one, at a particular moment, at one place, and then you can feel good at another place at another moment, as long as you are with your family and, and your beloved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> According to your personality and in which cultural environment do you feel best adjusted? Because not everyone feels good everywhere. I don't know. It's all an adjustment period. You know, uh, when I, I lived in Europe for seven years and I felt very comfortable in Europe for seven years. And, and when I would go from Europe to the United States, um, I would feel a little bit of a cultural shock. Um, and it would be a little difficult and there was a little period of adjustment. But now I've spent a lot more time in the U.S. And when I go to Europe, there's a little bit of a cultural shock and a period of adjustment. So I think that's a little bit true everywhere. You get, um, you adjust to, I mean, I feel like I'm having moved around. I do have a personality where I can adapt pretty easily, but very flexible. A, yes. There's always a period of, uh, of tension until you get used to it and then you kind of, it gets easier. <laughs> maybe with time you get adjusted faster and faster, maybe. Oh, I'm not so sure. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you miss most from countries you lived and worked before? Um, I guess it depends on, on the country. You know, I miss, um, like, when you're somewhere far away, there are certain, like, material things that you miss, like, Belgium, I miss the beers. I love the beers. In <laughs> France, I miss the cheeses. The cheeses are great. In the United States, the cheesecake. And, you know, I guess it's it's all revolved a lot around food. <laughs> um, but, you know, mostly what I what I really miss are, are the friends. Like the, the, the downside of moving around is that, you know, you're not there with your friends to see important moments of their life, celebrate, you know, if they got engaged or, or, or you got their PhD or, yeah, or help them out when there's a difficult time. Um, and being there on the day to day is really how you create strong connections. So that is a challenge, trying to keep in touch with your friends and keep the um, friendship alive. I wish I could, you know, be with all of them all the time be more part of their daily lives. But that is kind of the silver lining from the pandemic. Um, now it's become more normalized to have Zooms and weekly calls with family and, you know, happy hours with friends. And that's that's been really a silver lining, especially like for me, being able to connect and communicate more with my friends who are far away. Uh, are your friends mostly from the country you were born in? or from everywhere in the world? Yeah, um, I would say most of the, the friends that I've created um, strong connections with also have, um, also have traveled around and moved around because I think we have that in common and we understand that, you know, we have to put in the effort. And we're not there every day, but, you know, it doesn't matter because when you show up, you're there. 
Um, so mm-hmm. I would say most of my, my husband also grew up in a family where they moved around. And so we do have that in common. And yes, a lot of my best friends uh, kind of understand that way of living. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. What kind of cultural challenges do you think you will mostly face in Colombia? Uh, I don't know what cultural challenges uh, will face. I think time, as in like the... the you, in time the management, States, you mean? Bit, time management is a little different in the United States than it is here. Um, and I think we've noticed that, you know, when friends, we've invited friends over and maybe they, <laughs> they've been a little more late than we're used to in the United States. But that's, you know, a very minor challenge and something you have to just... Probably more than five minutes late. More than five minutes late, yes, <laughs> yes. It's When you say you're going to be there at a certain time in the United States, there's a certain amount of accepted tardiness that I think it's a different amount here in Colombia. And in the end, that's a very small thing. And it doesn't, you know, you have to not let those little things annoy you and just brush it off and be like, well, that's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's your philosophy about living abroad, but mine is take the best of the country where you are in <laughs> and not regret what you don't have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's very interesting. Growing up, um, so my my dad's American and my mother is French. And growing up, that's what my parents always told us. You have to take the both of each, take the best of what the French side, take the best of the American side. And that's, that's who you are. <laughs> well, they brought you up in a very probably flexible way <laughs> because they are very bicultural couple. I think that living in a country on a daily basis is not the same as working occasionally abroad. Do you have a particular opinion about this? Uh, yes, I, I mean, I, I think that's very true. Um, through my work, I was able to travel to different countries. Um, I was able to go to Guatemala, Rwanda, but only for a certain amount of time. A few weeks, you mean? Uh, when I went to Rwanda, it was really just a week. <laughs> And that's very, very short. You know, you, yes. you go in, maybe you're able to do a little bit of like the main attractions if you have time but like yes I, I think the DRC I spent six weeks there total and it's not the same as living there but I think that gave me a little bit better of an idea of what it could be like if I did live there you know a place where I only visited one week it's just impossible to say no idea <laughs> no <laughs> let's talk about as, as a woman how did the different cultures perceive the role of women and leadership in their society I mean you lived you worked in different countries in Africa where the women are not perceived the same as they are in in, in Washington or were you perceived locally um, I think, you know, I work in international development. And so the home office is Washington, D.C., from these from the, the countries where I would visit and work with my my coworkers, my colleagues um, and my uh, industry. International development happens to be very heavily female. Um, there are not too many men in the home office, at least, who uh, work there. So. So all of our coworkers, I think, in the field offices are very used to seeing women. I, I've never really felt perceived differently 
um, because I'm a woman. I think maybe the only thing that, but a little different, the only thing that one of my um, coworkers or, or supervisors in the field office, my our office um, office leader once told me, he told me, yes, Chloe, we we enjoy working with you because you know you're not too French and. You're not too American. <laughs> and I think I appreciated that. I definitely took it as a compliment. Um, so, What did it mean, yeah. do you think? Uh, I don't know. I wonder if maybe the Americans are a little strict in work. And so maybe I wasn't as strict. Or the French, I don't know, maybe a little... <laughs> but I think maybe I was, you know, listening and maybe able to like understand their point of view better than maybe some other people. Uh, that's my best guess. <laughs> and probably your open-mindedness to, to different I, cultures and flexibility, probably. I think that may be something that they appreciated. From, my, the, whole, from the United States, sometimes uh, the people who, who travel don't speak fluent French, and so that's a communication gap. And, I mean, in DRC, I felt that there, there's, very, there's a very big cultural gap between my coworkers and me. We live in completely different worlds. So, you know, you put on top of that a, a little bit of a language barrier, and I think it's really hard to understand each other. So um, I think maybe I'm, I was able to help overcome some of those or understand that they are there. I'm not really sure, but mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> Can you ex would you like to explain a little about the cultural gap between your, you and your local team? Yeah, and I, I also felt this in, in, in Benin. It's just, it's a, I don't really know. I think it's just a, a different world. You know, it's um, in Benin, for example, I know I got there and the, the, the cultural difference was very intimidating because they have a very separate culture. And I guess I've spent a lot of time in a European culture or Western culture, you know, the United mm. States. From the, the difference between the United States, France, Italy, Belgium, it doesn't feel as different, you know. We, we have a lot in common in the end. I think you can find things in common with people who live in Benin, but I, I don't know. I feel like it's hard to explain, too. It's a different world. Western world is more individualistic. African oh, yes. world is more, live more in community. It can explain partly the, the cultural gap you experienced, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Um, I mean, uh, I have a couple examples of, of, you know, seeing that community uh, togetherness and uh, compared to the way we live our lives. There was this um, one day when I was with one of my high-level colleagues, um, and we had two other guests in the DRC, so they were all from the DRC, and we were talking about coworkers of ours in the United States who were going to take their parental leave. Um, so male coworkers taking, I think it was about a three-month parental leave um, for their their child that was just born, and. I remember our two other coworkers were, you know, a little surprised. You know, that's a that's a long time, three months you know, for a for a man. That's a long a long time. And my high level colleague, you know, explained to them, well, you know, it can seem like a long time, but when you live in the United States, you don't have your whole family around to help your wife. 
um, the mother of your child with, you know, the newborn and everything. She's by herself. So you have to be there and help her. Um, so I thought that was an interesting perspective on two different ways. Excellent example. Things. Yes, true, true. Yeah. Whereas in, in Africa, they live in a community. So there is always a, a parent, a cousin who, yeah. could, who could help around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How did you experience to live your work in Washington? I mean, to put your career between brackets when you moved with your husband to Bogota? Oh, I honestly saw it as an opportunity to, um, I think I had been doing my work for a certain amount of time and I was looking for something different. So to me, it's really an opportunity to take a step back and really think about where I want to go and what I want to do next. So yes, I had to, I, I'm, I was excited to take a break um, and to stop working for a little bit and be able to reflect on what I want to do next. And that's kind of how I started thinking that, you know, what I want to do, it would be really wonderful if I could find a remote position where I'd be able to spend time with my family in France or, you know, go spend time with my husband's family if, um, if that's what we, you know, want to do. And that way we can still save our vacation for exploring a different country or something. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to, to start something, to start a new path. And to take time for yourself to think about it. Yes. Was your husband okay yes. that you you may well yeah. yes. <laughs> it's a common decision anyway. Yeah, it's a common decision. We honestly I and I've said this several times to him, you know, he's yeah, giving me kind of what I consider a a gift, you know, being able to go and take some time off and I fully expect that, you know, we'll do the same. There'll probably be one time where my job will take us somewhere and he's, you know, he'll be able, he'll follow us and then take some time off and, you know, be able to be a freelancer or work remotely. So, um, so we, it's fully understood that we're both going to be taking advantage at different times. It'll, we each get our own turn. <laughs> and probably your experience, your exposure in Bogota can help you grow professionally too. I mean, develop other skills which you cannot necessarily find in an office. <laughs> I agree, yes. Like, working from the home office is great, but um, it's also working from in the field office where the work is really being done that's really fantastic. And so I hope to be able to do some field work while I'm here. Mm. Was, was your decision well accepted by your home office in Washington? Yes, If you have the opportunity to travel and to go somewhere, they completely understand. Um, I feel like this industry, I've heard that other industries, you can have like a gap of six months and you have to explain it and it's difficult. Um, but I, I, I get the feeling that in my industry in international development, if I say, yes, I have this six months work gap, but it's because, you know, we moved abroad for my husband's job the only answer is going to be, oh, okay, and then, you know, move on. <laughs> That's like a piece That's of evidence for them. It's, it's, part, yeah. it's part of the development. Can you explain yeah. a little what international development means exactly? Yeah. And what did you do exactly so, so people can imagine your work environment? Sure. 
So um, I worked on a project. I worked in, um, I did a lot of, I worked on projects in public health. So the most recent project I used to work for and that I'm working now as a consultant is the Global Health Supply Chain Task Order, Francophone, um, Technical Assistance Francophone Task Order. So basically it's <laughs> um, money, USAID is um, giving money to my company so that we can help provide technical assistance to different Francophone countries in Africa, and then there was Haiti too, but that one closed down, um, to help the health supply chain. So that includes malaria, um, uh, malaria, RTVs for HIV, family planning, all different kinds of uh, commodities for those different um, commodities in different health areas. Okay, and so your task in the different countries in sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America was to make sure that the money went in good hands, I mean locally. Yeah. I mean the logistics. So I'm, I was the project manager, so I helped um, with all of the day-to-day -day tasks. Um, and uh, here's an example of something I did. We have warehouses We have contracts with warehouses in the um, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, all over the the country, and it's a very big country. So I helped put the contracts together with our partners, the warehouses, and through those warehouses, the different commodities for um, you know whether it's malaria or tuberculosis or anything would come here, and so we work with the supply chain to make sure that the countries have the capacities to do the quantification and all of the different things regarding the, <laughs> this is not my, this is not my technical area. So, and I know it's a little complicated, but yes, it's basically just making sure the medicines get to the countries. And so we help with all of the logistics, mostly in terms of technical assistance. Like we're not necessarily doing it, but we are supporting the countries in doing that. A lot of coordination. I mean, A lot of coordination and logistics and all of that. Yeah. I understand that to this extent that your French was a real asset in, yeah. in, <laughs> in French-speaking uh, Africa. <laughs> great, great, very interesting. Um, now, in terms of self-development, how has living abroad shaped who you are today and your identity? Oh, that's a difficult question because I think it's, it, it's, it's completely who I am. You know, um, I think you, we've talked about this. I think I'm adaptable. I can, you know, go from one country to the next um, and talk to people from different cultures and maybe notice um, when there are cultural differences between different places. Um, I think it's, it's helped me become, it's a really, it's a very big part of my identity. <laughs> mm -hmm. I understand. What are your plans for the future and how has your experience as a young woman abroad influenced your choices for the future? Um, I think the most of the plans for the future involve, you know, trying to figure out this, um, what my next professional step is, and then what our next move with my husband is going to be together as a family, and, you know, planning for the next couple of years, 
Um, we don't really have any plans for, we don't, I mean, it's kind of hard to have a plan because right now we're in Colombia and we don't know if we're here for one year or for more and wherever, <laughs> this is really a time to just be flexible, wherever things take us, they take us and, you know, maybe we'll go back to the United States, maybe we won't, maybe we'll stay here, it's kind of, it's hard to tell, <laughs> it's hard to tell. Initially, how long is, is your husband's contract in Bogota? Uh, it's a it's a year, but I think um, he has confirmation that we will because our first year we really just stayed in our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think we'll we'll be here a little bit longer, but I don't know how much. It was a test period. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Maybe it's a tricky question, but how would you like to impact your environment in your life? Oh, what do you mean by my environment? Like here in Colombia? No, not globally. Oh. Where you live? Yeah, I think I think I chose to work um, in international development or like coopération internationale because, you know, there's this idea that behind what we're doing, we're trying to do good and, and, and help uh, the global world. So, um I don't, I'm not sure I could see myself as a corporate person, but um, yeah, I think, you know, through the work I do, I try to at least help a little bit, <laughs> do no harm. <laughs> yes, amount. I, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably the fact that you lived in, um, in developing countries when you were younger influenced your professional choice today too, maybe. People yeah, you I, saw and so. well in developing countries well influenced your your perception of the world around you and open up your your mind to people living differently and facing different challenges. Yes, and and I think you know that's also a lesson you just learn over and over again when you know you live in Washington D.C. for four years. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to travel from Washington D.C. to Uh, West Africa and then you just it just all comes back and you're like oh yes that's right there is a different way of living life you know it's uh you I, I feel like it's always you always relearn it and so it's and it's important too because the United States tends to be a uh, a country that is a little bit more self-centered you know they they talk a lot about U.S. politics but not so much about global politics and their the day-to-day -day lives So it's really interesting to see the world from a different perspective. Um, I enjoy that. <laughs> see that there are different things that they're talking about every day and different things that matter. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing. <laughs> Did your experiences abroad help you develop your resilience? Um, I assume so. I think... Being able to, you know, it was hard when I was younger, moving so frequently because you have to start over, you don't have your friends anymore, and, you know, everything's new. So I remember that being difficult, um, but I think, yeah, I think it has helped me probably become more more resilient and, and able to, you know, make changes when obstacles, when challenges come up. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be a good example to show to your children, well, if they have to face living abroad and having to adjust to different countries 
and different mentalities, do you think that would be a good example to give to them? I mean, a good lesson for life? I really would love for my children to grow up also traveling abroad. Um, I, you know, I hope to pass on um, the dual languages, if not more. Um, and I hope that they grow up being able, I think, being able to function very easily in American society and function very easily in French society and just be able to go from one to the other or anywhere else is a huge advantage in life. And I would very much hope that they have that. Yes, that's fantastic. And finally, and this is often the question I ask to the women I interview is, what advice would you like to give to other women who are about to leave or are considering to travel or work abroad? My biggest advice is you should absolutely do it. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, if I were to give advice to someone on, on like how to do it, because it can be very daunting and, uh, you know, a difficult experience, I think I would say I consider myself a cautious traveler. Um, I think I like to, you know, discover different places, but do so in a cautious way. When you arrive in a new place, um, start asking a lot of questions to everyone around you. Ask your coworkers, your taxi driver the guy at the hotel reception, your neighbors, everyone, ask everyone kind of the same questions. You know, is it safe to take a taxi? Is it safe to take a taxi at night? Is the water, can I drink the water? Can I walk around at night? Um, all these questions are very important and getting answers from a lot of different people will help you assess a little bit how to react in a new environment because, you know, it's, it's different. And the last thing you want is a bad experience. So I advise you to be cautious, register with your, um, your consulate, um, because I think that's very important. And then, you know, ask lots of questions and listen, um, listen to your coworkers, to everyone around you. So you can kind of get a hodgepodge and make your own decisions on kind of the way things are. And as you get more comfortable in the country, you can, you know, take more risks and then in a, in a safe way. Yes. And that's, that's my advice. Curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for sharing of experience. It, it was really insightful. I really enjoyed Pleasure. it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Me too. To, to share your extensive and very diverse experiences. It's very rich. Thank you, Françoise. I wish you good luck for the future and um, a lot of happiness and uh, beautiful discoveries in Bogota with your husband. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Chloe. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for following us in this episode. Because an international experience can awaken incentives and reveal new aspects in women's identities, Women Abroad is the podcast that appeals to young women everywhere. Did you like this episode? Like it and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends. You can also rate us and review us. If you'd like to share your experience abroad as a student, an early career woman or a more experienced professional, contact me on my page, Women Abroad on Instagram or Facebook. You can also listen to our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website, www.françoise.com.
www.fallis.com. I wish you a great day and a bright life. Talk to you soon.